Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body Podcast. I've got another incredible guest here today. Goes by the name of Courtney Luna, and she's a former yacht chef turned homeschooling mama and carnival content creator. And by the way, her content is extremely good. Um, she shares her recipes and her health journey as she strives for optimal health with a meat-based diet. And we were just chatting off air. She also, I just want to tie this one in there. She's got a three-year-old and a five-year-old kid, three-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. So how's everything going with you, Courtney? Oh, we're surviving. <laughs> we're getting through. Yeah, no, everything, everything's good. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on to chat. Absolute pleasure to have you on, honestly. Like I say, I really love your content. And when you're watching someone online as well, it's crazy because you kind of like feel like you get to know them a bit when you watch some of their stuff, and especially when you listen to them, you know, long form content. And then when you get them in front of you, then it's like, wow, this is awesome. I love this. So yeah, thank, I really appreciate you coming on. So I'd love you to just get straight into just telling us a bit more about you and, and your health journey, just your journey of life in general. If you, I know it's a, it's always a long story, right? But life, health, and just a bit more about yourself. Yeah. So you know, I've had a long history of yo-yo dieting. I went to my first Weight Watchers meeting when I was 13 and I wasn't like hugely overweight, maybe like 20 pounds. And I wasn't forced to go. It was just suggested. And I thought that would be a good idea too. Um, and that was the beginning of my wonky relationship with food. So I did that. I tried the slim fast diet. I tried special K, the cereal, not the drug. Um, you name it, I did it. Keto, paleo. I felt like when I when I discovered paleo, like, okay, we're getting a little bit better, like a little bit more quality ingredients and food. You know, with Weight Watchers, it's like you can eat anything as long as you're you're your points that you're tracking fit that day. So paleo was getting a little bit better. Keto, I feel like was pretty good. And, but nothing ever worked for me. Like it was still, you know, a yo-yo diet. I would lose weight. I would gain it back. Like it just, something wasn't clicking. And so let's rewind like a couple years ago. I lost 50 pounds after my second baby. I was doing tracking my macros, doing like low carb keto, and I felt really great. And then I stopped what was working for me. I don't know why, but I got caught up in the the anti-diet culture content on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, no foods are bad. Everything's on the table. Like you can eat anything you want in moderation. If it fits well, your macros, I, yeah. If it fits your IIFYM, it was like a movement there. Yes. there yeah. <laughs> yes, that. And like, you know, food doesn't have a morality. Like there's no such thing as bad foods. And so I'm like, great. Like my sugar addicted brain was like, yes, I'm going to, you know, have croissants in moderation. So I tried that. And within four months, I gained 40 pounds and was feeling like absolute crap. Am I allowed to curse on here? You can say, I, I thought you were going to say dog shit then, which is a step I up, was. I would say. <laughs> I was. And I'm like, oh gosh. Yes. I felt like absolute dog shit. And <laughs> I was just like, God, I was just, I was feeling gross. And I remember talking to my husband like about how awful I felt. And he's like gently being like, why don't you try carnivore? I mean, sorry. Why don't you try keto? Again, that's what works for you. I'm like, I'm just, I'm not ready. Like I just hadn't hit my rock bottom yet, I guess. So I was still not doing well. And then he started sending me these TikTok videos from Saladino. 
And he sent them to me for about a month. And finally, I asked him, I'm like, why are you sending me these? Like, do you think we should not be eating vegetables? I'm like, that's insane. Why would we not? What? And he's like, I don't know. I got to look into it more. But he just thought it was interesting. So that was my introduction into at least animal-based. So it was probably like, I he does all the research. So once we found it, it's like, okay, well, let's give it a shot. Like for me, it was more coming from a weight loss a weight loss area. And I'm like, I feel gross. I'm hugely overweight. Let's give it a shot. And so we tried it. He went strict carnivore. I incorporated fruits in my diets um, still, went the animal-based route and quickly realized that I was still wanting fruit, even though I wasn't hungry. So it's like I could eat a pound of ribeye, but like my mouth still wanted blueberries. So I'm like, talking to him, I'm like, I guess I should give up the fruit, right? Like, I feel like that's not normal. So that was almost two years ago. I've been carnivore ever since. And yeah, it's just been life changing. I've learned so many things and just like the self-awareness from eating this way, like it's just been life changing. Wow. This is awesome. There's so much to talk about here because your journey sounds very similar to mine, but I'm going to go back a little bit, right? Because I'm curious. I think the audience might be curious as well. What got you into you know, be, how did you manage to get into being a chef on a yacht? And I'd love to hear a bit more about your experience there as well. Like number one, just the lifestyle. Uh, and number two, just the kind of relationship with food. So I know you said it was wonky. I like that word, by the way. I'm going to steal that one from you. I saw that in some of your content, wonky relationship. That was mine as well. But what was that like, that lifestyle? And what was your relationship with food like at the time when you were a yacht, uh, sorry, a chef on the yachts? Yeah. So even back then, I mean, I was also younger. So I think you can eat a lot more crap and not, you know, feel as bad and look as bad. So I wasn't really overweight. Like I wish, you know, even now I looked like what I did then. Um, but all the foods, I mean, standard American diet, lots of, you know, fillets and mashed potatoes and veggies and of course desserts. Um, so yeah, nothing, nothing super healthy, you know, like everyone just wanted really good, delicious food. Like when you're on a boat, you don't probably want to be on a diet when you're, you know, yachting around the world. So yeah, that lifestyle, I mean, I did it for, was it like seven years maybe? Um, and it's just, it was wild. I mean, I was in my twenties, like you just, when you weren't working, you were partying, um, lots of drinking, lots of other things. And yeah, it was just, I mean, I kind of like the good old days. Like if anyone's watched the show Below Deck, I mean, they definitely exaggerate some drama, but as far as like the job duties and the descriptions of what everyone's doing and the crew drama, like a hundred percent all accurate. I kind of miss it sometimes. And I saw you said, I ate my way through Barbados and you started listing <laughs> off all these countries on your website. I was like, that is quality. I ate my way through. Yeah. Every country, well, <laughs> that's quality. But like you say, you can get away with it a lot more, right? So you're obviously in your 20s then, you know, it's it's crazy. It does make a massive difference with your metabolism and everything else with what you can get away with, right, when you're younger. And I would say in a sense, more so as a woman, right? Because obviously all the hormonal changes you get and everything else, as you do get into kind of your mid-30s and then later down the line, obviously have a big impact as well, right? I'm just saying, because I've coached a lot of women and I do see, you know, it can be a little bit more complex sometimes as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, when you're in your 20s, you can get away with not doing the best things, be up all night drinking, have a piece of pizza before you go to bed and wake up and, you know, a couple hours of sleep and eat crap for breakfast and do it all over again. I didn't care about health in a way. Like to me, it was more always just weight. Like if I was at a good weight, then I thought I was healthy. I didn't really, I don't know. It wasn't until I, I came to carnivore that I really like 
equated eating for health and, and not just weight loss. And just because you are at a good body weight doesn't even mean you're healthy and feeling good and what's going on in the inside. So hundred percent. And that's exactly where I was at. I fortunately didn't have the challenge of gaining weight and, and being overweight and stuff. But in my twenties, I was partying loads, you know, and then I got into bodybuilding. It was always extremes with me. And then it was ended up like kind of binge eating, emotional eating, all those kind of things for about two years. And that was a major struggle for me. And I look good though. That's the thing. So I look good because I'd been, you know, always active. I was a trainer from the age of personal trainer from the age of 20. So just what you were saying then on the outside, insane shape, getting compliments everywhere on the inside, not good lifestyle, nutrition, atrocious. Right. And that can be really deceiving as well. Right. But yeah, so much what you said there really resonated with me and yeah, cut a long story short, I have been through similar struggles with poor relationship with food and everything else. But what you said about Saladino, right? Because that was a game changer for me as well. I've got it behind me here, his book, The Carnival Code. Did you ever read his book, Saladino's? I haven't. No, I have a whole stack of books to read. I haven't had the second to open them yet. <laughs> I don't know about you, though, but for me, it's like when I read books on nutrition, I don't like reading books on nutrition anymore. It's just for me now, I'm like, no. Because my reading books for me now is almost like escapism before bed. Mm -hmm. So don't really enjoy reading that kind of stuff anymore. Because I talk about, I love talking about it all day long and stuff and helping clients with it, but it gets a bit much. But yeah, read his book. That was a real game changer for me because I was on the fence. And basically it was about four years ago for me now where I switched over to animal-based and exactly what you said there, which we'll touch on with the vegetable thing, guts, major gut issues. Felt so sorry for my ex-girlfriend, like putrid, I'll just say how it is, putrid farts, not good, right? And I was and I was like, what's going on here? It was really frustrating because I was really healthy apart from my gut and skin issues I was getting. And I'm like, hmm. And then I, I did a podcast with a good friend of mine and you know, really look up to him. He's in great shape, really healthy. And he was like, yeah, I just had Saladino on my podcast. Uh, shout out to the health session, the podcast, really good podcast. And he said, yeah, you don't actually need vegetables, you know? And I'm like, really? So he said it then, because I had it at the back of my mind because I, I found out about Sean Baker and everything else. And then I was like, okay, I'll give that a go. And then never look back. And then it was just kind of meat and fruits. But yeah, without going too much into that, right? I'd love to know a bit more um, about that journey, right? That transition. Because for me, it was my gut issues pretty much cleared up and everything else. They still came back and everything, but I went, you know, my mental clarity, everything just leveled up. And I'd love to know what the transition was like for you. Because ultimately, it's cutting out ultra processed foods, right, Courtney? That's the key thing. It's because you're eating more whole foods. Like you were saying, you were doing the Weight Watchers thing and you just eating, you can eat garbage and just hit your points doesn't work long-term because you're not working on the behaviors. You're always going to fight a losing battle with those foods. But then you said you went over to basically eating more whole foods and everything else. And you were eating, you know, more whole foods, paleo, because that's what I started doing. Not aware of it, but that's what I, how I started was eating paleo. And that's when I started noticing, okay, I'm feeling better. Um, but yeah, what was that transition like for you going from, okay, I found paleo, keto, and I'm eating whole foods, but I'm going to transition into now eating, you know, just animal based, mainly just meat and fruit. Yeah. Well, even like looking back now, why paleo and keto didn't even work good for me is because I was still like addicted to those treats. So fat bombs, you know, keto, just any sort of keto treats, all those fake sugars, like those were still addicting to me. So it's like the sugar still had a hold of me. So I feel the most free you know, removing all those ingredients from my diet and just strictly focusing on meat. Um, I did feel a difference in, in like a lot of things, even having the fruit, like my skin was still clear. My mental health was better, but just, you know, mentally the sugar addiction, I feel better without the fruit, but yeah, I mean, so many health benefits I've had that I wasn't expecting. I didn't follow 
influencers before trying this diet. I mean, Saladino was the only one that I saw. So I didn't even really know what was out there. Like for me, it was still a health thing. So I didn't realize like what could happen. So a month in, I'm like, you know, I'm on Zoloft for anxiety and depression, a very low dose. So it wasn't even enough. I was still struggling, but enough where I could like feel a change. I'm like, wow, like a month in, I'm like, I feel like a lot better. Like I don't feel as miserable <laughs> as I have been. I feel a lot happier. Um, so that was like a huge change for me that I had no idea was even going to be a thing. Um acne for years like I've always had bad skin my skin cleared up tremendously um and then of course like you know the gut issues like not having any gas you know oh, it's so funny people like will comment like oh bro the protein farts it's like it's not protein it's you know the plants that are causing all that gas so the protein gets a, a bad rap when you're having you know broccoli with it um what else so weight loss I'm down 55 pounds I still have a little bit to go but that's been amazing and I feel like those are like the big ones and then like food freedom which doesn't make sense to a lot of people they're like how do you have food freedom when you don't freaking eat anything and for me food freedom is like not like not being mentally obsessed with food and not letting food have a hold on me like before it's like if I had some donuts sitting right here I would either well I'd either binge on all of them or I would try not to eat them or maybe I'd have one put it in my macros try not to have the rest like it was just uh, I was just obsessively thinking about it and it was exhausting so now it's like they could be sitting right there and I don't even give it another thought so that's been one of the biggest things for me too is just feeling like I broke free from that sugar addiction essentially yeah, I can relate to so much of that as well. I was the same when I used to do bodybuilding comps. Again, this is what kind of made, I was actually like yourself. I was eating, but just for the audience as well, paleo is kind of like the hunter-gatherer diet where you eat mainly meat uh, and some plants and everything else, but you avoid like gluten and I think I think dairy as well. Is that right? You you, you take out gluten, dairy. I, I think, think dairy is like a hit and miss, like depending, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like the hunter-gatherer diet, basically just natural, you know, eating, eating whole foods primarily, uh, long story short. And then keto is where you're eating a lot of fat. So essentially you need to have at least 70 to 85% fat generally to be in keto. And the rest is protein. So you're eating things like, you know, meat, butter, avocados, those kind of things, a lot of protein and fat. And then the animal base is just essentially meat, uh, meat, fruits, and, you know, dairy, if you can tolerate it and maybe honey or whatever. But um, all that to say, yeah, I used to make lists as well. I think what you were saying there was it's, a, it's an obsession, but I think there's a term for it now is called orthorexia. So I used to, oh, I, mm -hmm. yeah, I think, I think it's something like that anyway, but I used to do that as well. So when I was after bodybuilding comps, I used to make lists of all the restaurants I wanted to go to, all the foods I wanted to eat. And that's actually, I was getting to a good point before that. And then it kind of went downhill then after doing, I did like, you know, nine bodybuilding competitions or whatever. Then I obviously got to a whole new level after that. But I was making lists. I was obsessed. Like yourself, I was tracking things. And if it was like a grain of rice, you know, if it was like one gram over, I'd take, I'd be taking grains of rice off the scales and stuff. Like it, it went way too far. But I'd love you to give your explanation on what you would say food freedom is. Because I think a lot of people get this twisted and they think flexible dieting or eating what you want is food freedom. But if you're constantly like yourself and like I was, if you're constantly thinking about food and essentially you're governed by food because it's always on your mind, that is actually the opposite to food freedom, I would say, right? Food freedom is where essentially you eat it, you enjoy your meals. I'm sure you love eating your meals. I love eating my meals, right? You know, I eat carnivore-ish and I never get bored, but I'm not thinking about food all the time. I mean, there is times, but I'm not governed by it, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, people think that you need to be able to eat all the foods 
and that's food freedom. It's like, well, why should I have a little bit of poison? Like, why does that make it okay? Like, why do you feel like I need to have a slice of cake to be healthy? Like you wouldn't tell an alcoholic like, oh, you should be able to just have a drink. Like, you know, that's not healthy that you can't have one. Like you should have one, you know? So it's just, it's kind of like a weird thing. Like, I think they don't get it. Like if, if you haven't struggled with food and you haven't had these issues, then you might not understand this. Or if you can, you know, have a donut donut and go about your day and, and eat things in moderation, then you're not going to understand this. But if you have struggled with any sort of food or sugar addiction, then you know like how that food can like have a hold over you. So if you can go about your day and not think about food, like, yes, I love my ribeyes. They're delicious, but I'm not obsessively thinking about thinking about it. Like it's become fuel and yes, I'm still enjoying it, but it's not, you know, it's so different than thinking about like when I was eating like Oreos, like those just had a hold on me. So I wish more people would understand that this is what food freedom means for us. And, you know, having a little bit of poison and moderation isn't the definition of having food freedom. And just knowing, I mean, there's just two different people. You're either an abstainer or a moderator. You can either have that stuff here and there and good for you, or you're like me and you need to completely abstain from, you know, sugars or foods that don't make you feel your best, just like an alcoholic. Like, they are not going to have one drink because it's going to lead to 80. So they completely abstain. And I abstain from booze now too. Um, so yeah, I wish more people would like understand that and not be so dismissive to say, you know, you know, sugar is not addictive when it 100% lights up your brain like it's cocaine. 100%. Same pathways in the brain, right? I love what you said then in regards to, you know, people moderating because those foods, the ultra processed foods, they're not designed to be moderated, right? So there's a small minority of people, and I know this, I've coached so many people that can actually moderate those foods generally. And even when they do moderate them, they're so addictive. And it's not just the sugar, right? It's the perfect, they're highly palatable. It's the perfect combination of fat and sugar. They know exactly what they're doing. They don't care about health when they're designing those foods. They're just engineered to, 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 to make you eat the hell out of them. And so they can sell more product. It's as simple as that, right? And what you said then about um, alcohol, I love that you use that analogy as well, because people kind of scoff at this when I say food is essentially a drug. And I would argue it's the most abused drug on the planet. Obesity is only getting worse, chronic illness and all those kind of things. So I think if you look at it that way, yes, you can have some of those foods. It doesn't mean you have to be super strict and all that kind of stuff because it needs to be sustainable what you're doing. And if you can have some of those foods, and as long, in my opinion, as long as you're eating 90%, pretty much minimum single ingredient foods, you know, generally you're going to be okay. But obviously there's so many, so many factors there from person to person. But I'd love to just ask you quickly on the mental health thing you talked about, just to clarify. So when you went over to eating animal-based, did you then come off medication or did you taper the dose down? Yeah. Once I realized like, oh, wow, like I'm actually feeling better eating this way. Yeah. I slowly, I slowly wean myself off. I had gone off before my doctor was like, Oh, just, you know, wean in two weeks and then you're done. I felt horrendous. So I took it into my own hands this time. And really like, I mean, I had a pill cutter. I was breaking it into crumbs at one point, just so I wouldn't have like all the nasty side effects. Um, so yeah, I, after a month I did that and it, I took a couple months to get completely off of it. And I was on a low dose already too. That's off to you. Cause that is so hard to do. Thankfully, you know, I've, I've, well, not thankfully. I mean, some people need them. That's fine. But I didn't, uh, I never, I, I was close at one point, actually in my early twenties to actually take an SSRIs, but I didn't. Um, and I've seen firsthand how hard they are to come off. 
Um, I've got one client now and he's, he's, he's tapered it down to like, he's taken the dose down by like 75%. Um, he did that within like the first 90 days of me coaching him. But again, from what he was putting into his body, he eats animal based as well. And he's getting all the essential nutrients he needs and everything else. So that's awesome. Hats off to you for that. And I uh, appreciate you sharing that. So I'd love to get into, into because for me, I'm not as strict as you when it comes to the carnivore. So I do eat. And in fact, I've been doing like the lion diet. I did it um, like four days last week. And I do normally two months a year where I go kind of strict carnivore, not lion diet for the whole month. But for me, what I've noticed is, and I just did it one day yesterday, my maintenance calories, give or take, I'm tracked for a while, are about 3,600 calories, right? So if I eat um, like scotch for the steak yesterday, I ate about 1.2 kilos of that. That's still only about like 2,000. So it's, it's, it basically is a big deficit for me. And I've noticed it just takes me longer to go to sleep, which I never get that issue. And I know there's a bit of a transition period there as well, right? But I did it as well in, uh, I think, last year. And long story short, I did notice after like a, a week to two weeks, I noticed my libido dropping, which like never happens. My libido was dropping. I'm like, okay. But again, it's because I'm in a calorie deficit as well. It's quite simple. So uh, I think maybe it would take, because it can take you like 30 days to get, uh, I think up to 30 days or maybe longer to get fat adapted and everything else. But I'd love to know like where you're at now with the way you eat. Because I know you did the lion diet. I saw some posts on YouTube and I think it was like um, you did the lion diet for like a year, right? You just say, I don't know if it was lion, but you just ate, sorry, you just say you just ate meat for a year, right? If I've got that right. I mean, I've been, yeah, I mean, meat and dairy um, for the last two years. The lion was like, I lasted three weeks. <laughs> okay, that's good um, to know. Yeah. <laughs> what was just me up for? Maybe you just slack it with a discipline. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the lion's a little too hard, especially with that, like I needed my chicken wings or salmon, you know, like unless you have like severe autoimmune issues, you know, I don't think lion is totally necessary or maybe doing like I was doing it as a reset, you know, just like for fun, essentially just to try it out. But yeah, I, I eat all the animals. Um, I do have some dairy. I find that I can have, um, what's it called? Not sober behavior around dairy. So it can be a slippery slope for me. I can easily chug a whole gallon of heavy cream. So I have to be aware of how I'm acting around dairy. You know, it's just something that it, it keeps it sustainable. I should probably, you know, do without it, but it, it's what keep this, keeps this way of eating sustainable for me. So I do incorporate it. But so that's the thing that I battle sometimes. Um, once in a while, I'll have like a pickle or an olive or... I like last week I had some grilled onions on my burger, but it's just, that's not a norm for me. Um, but just once in a while, I don't, ah, I'll have it. But it's like my taste buds have changed. Like I used to put garlic in everything. I would put sauteed onions on everything and I don't really have that desire anymore. Like just the meat and salt and butter, like really keeps things good for me. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Courtney likes to really let her hair down with a pickle or an olive, you know, you're wild. <laughs> so wild, crazy. Well, I mean, alert the carnivore police. Some people do not approve of that. hundred <laughs> percent. I know you put on one of your posts and you put about the, uh, what was it? The capers. You said, excuse the capers. <laughs> you have to like kind of put a little line. I get that as well, right? Cause you get so, I mean, we get that in every area of life, but with nutrition nowadays, it's almost become like a religion, right? <laughs> You exactly. I mean? It's like, let's not be dogmatic over a freaking caper. And you know what? It's like, at least, you know, at least it's still a fruit. I'm not having broccoli, you know, it's 100%. a cucumber or an olive, you know, so it could be worse. But yeah, I mean, I've come a long way from a cheat being a pickle instead of a donut. So I think we're doing pretty good. 
hundred percent. I bet you've had some of the DMs I had, right? I think I was on Dr. Kills. I know you've been on Dr. Kills's uh, podcast before, right? I was on there and I think I had a few new followers or whatever. I was eating some dark chocolate. I just have some dark chocolate every now and then. And someone like meshed me saying, you're going to get kid. What was it? You're going to get kidney stones and die or something like that. Oxalates. <laughs> yeah, oxalates. I'm going to die from having some dark chocolate. It's so funny. But no, it is really important to talk on this as well. In terms of the mindset and the, the psychology behind nutrition, you know, the way Courtney and I eat, it, we're literally, without trying to sound big headed, we're literally in like the five percent of people the way we eat most people are not going to be able to sustain and the only reason i done it i want to clarify the lion diet again is for immune issues i wouldn't do it otherwise gut was playing up and i got this skin condition condition on my arm and i get this weird uh, fungi thing on my chest that keeps coming back it's strange but i did notice last week when i did four days just four days of the, uh, the lion diet it cleared up then i ate some uh i ate some carbs and stuff and the next day then it was it was just looking worse again and i'm like okay there's is something going on there and you know 80 percent of the immune system is located in the gut right so it, it kind of makes sense but um yeah so that sustainability is key though right so you keep that flexibility um so you do like rotate a bit so you'll have dairy you'll have meats do you still eat any fruit at all because i'm with you on that as well and again fruit is great if you if you're eating fruit fantastic it's a single ingredient food right if you feel good and you're thriving keep eating it but for me as well it's that attachment to sugar it's like even though it's fruit and it's a single ingredient food it's a whole food i get the same thing so i'll have some fruit and then i'll be like it tastes much better with coconut yogurt though and then i have coconut oil with fruit and i have that combination of fat and sugar and then i'm having it every day when i don't need it you know yeah um no i went almost this whole time honestly without having even a bite of fruit, like, cause my kids, you know, they'll eat fruit. So even cutting up their strawberries, I haven't had one bite. I did a couple weeks ago have, it wasn't even a couple, maybe one week ago, I had a little sip of their smoothie because I was just curious what the heck I've been making them. You know, I do like uh, a beef protein powder. I do colostrum collagen. Um, I don't do juice. I do raw milk and then I do some frozen fruit. And I, I was just like, okay, I need to, I just want to taste it. I want to know like what I've been giving them this whole time and what it tastes like. But I was actually kind of nervous. I'm like, I don't want to kickstart some sugar cravings. So I did have some and it seemed fine, but that was the first time that I've had fruit in like almost two years. So I, yeah, just aware. I'm just aware that I can't just go have a handful of blueberries that that would probably kick some kickstart something for me. And I don't want to go back to how I was before. And I know it's only blueberries, but I feel like those blueberries could easily turn to cookies or ice cream, you know, and I'm like, I feel like I'm one bite away from my past life. And I just don't want to go down that trail. 100%. And that's why there's so much individual variance from person to person when it comes to nutrition and psychology. Because last year in particular, I took a, uh, quite a few clients on who, who actually found me through the carnivore space. And a lot of them had uh, been really overweight, for example, in the past. And they discovered carnivore. And obviously it was magical, right? They lost all this weight and everything else. But then they have this real bad kind of restriction thing where it's like anxiety and, and that can cause mental health problems as well then because they were so restrictive and then when we would start, you know, because metabolic flexibility is also really, really important, right? So having some carbohydrates, you know, and, and kind of carb cycling or whatever you want to call it, just rotating the kind of foods you eat within reason, as long as you're not getting any uh, gut issues and immune problems. So we noticed then they would just go to a whole new level, um, but they, they would they would continuously struggle to get through that psychological barrier of uh, A, potentially in more calories, uh, and B, just bringing in some of those other foods. So you have to be really careful, though, with some people, because it is that. Um, and I think Dr. Anthony Chafee was talking about that. He's seen it time and time again when people bring in things like honey. And then before you know it, they've, they've gained all the weight back. And for the audience, they might be thinking, well, that's a bit extreme. No, because sugar, like you were saying earlier, right? It lights up the same parts of the brain that, you know, the dopamine system and everything else. 
as you know things like cocaine. But I like the way you describe the vegetables thing as well on on one of your posts. You says you know, just a reminder, you don't have to eat vegetables. And I like the way you communicate that because, in my opinion, I love Saladino, but I think he went a bit extreme at times. I think sometimes you know demonizing plants really badly. Um, I don't think he was demonizing. I think he communicates in a good way. But also the way um, I think some people get a wrong message. I think that's down to the individual, to be honest, anyway, the way they consume it and what they take from it. But they would, you know, I I think eating whole foods is great. Being aware of the defense chemicals in plants and how you feel is great. But for the average person, if I'm talking to the average person who's eating way too much ultra processed foods, overweight and everything else, uh, and, you know, you're going to eat some vegetables and you feel okay, then it's okay. It's not, it's not a massive problem, but you don't need to eat them, right, Courtney? Yeah. I mean, yeah, just know that it's an option. I, cause in the beginning I thought it was crazy too. Like we're not going to eat vegetables. Like how are we going to get our nutrition? You know, meat has all we need. It has everything we need. You know, you can't just survive. Well, I guess some people survive on, on just, uh, plants if they're vegan, but I mean, I don't know, are they thriving? Like meat is the one thing you can solely survive on. You can't just live on carrots. You can't just live on spinach, but you can survive and thrive on just beef. So I'm not saying you absolutely should not have plants. It's not my business how somebody else eats, but just to know that you don't have to have plants and you can only eat meat if that's how you feel your best. And, you know, if you feel great having some plants, wonderful. You know, my kids eat some plants. They have fruit. They're more like animal based. And even that, like, that's a whole other rabbit hole. I feel like they're little fruit sugar addicts. But yeah, just know that meat has all we need and they're more bioavailable than plants. Your body digests and processes all that way more easier than they would plants. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you, um, just a quick one on, on what you eat. Do you eat eggs as well? Do you have that in your diet? Yeah. Fantastic. Now that's good to know because especially choline, right, as well as a specific, you get that out of beef liver mainly, right? Beef liver, liver and egg yolks and it's just like the perfect multivitamin, isn't it? An egg yolk mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, that's awesome. So you eat them pretty much every day or you kind of rotate that and, and your kids, I'm sure you give them uh, eggs as well. Yeah. Yeah. My son loves to have omelets. Like that's his jam, bacon bits and cheese omelets. Uh, my little one doesn't love eggs. I mean, we'll sneak them in things and she'll have them here and there, but yeah, I mean, they are super nutritious and it's a good like macro ratio too. So yeah, I try, I try and have them pretty much almost every day, at least get a couple. I like to always have like hard boiled eggs in the fridge just for something easy to grab too. Mm. I'd love to touch on um, in terms of where you're at with, uh, don't mind if I ask, how old are you right now? I know you should never ask a woman their age. No, that's fine. I will be 40 in June. 40 in June. Okay. So with, because I've coached uh, probably about 40% of my clients are female now. And I'm just curious to know how you manage that, you know, because obviously things change, right? Hormonal, like we talked about earlier, hormonal profile and everything else. Plus you've quite recently, well, over the last five years had two kids. Um, how did you kind of manage that with your hormones and everything else and going through, you know, having kids and having young kids and losing sleep and everything else? How did you manage that, you know, and with carb addiction and everything else, right? We all know even one night's poor sleep can uh, have a massive impact on your food decisions, your hormones and everything else. So I'd love to touch on that because I know a lot of females and, and the males in the, in the audience will kind of relate to that who's, who've got kids especially. Yeah. I mean, I should probably get my hormones checked. Like, I don't know how they're doing. I feel pretty good. Um, just even like my cycle, like my cycle is like completely 
easy. Like I've had heard a lot of other people say that too. Like they don't even know it's happening and maybe only if they like track, you know, there's no cramps. So all that has been really awesome too. Um, my sleep is amazing. As long as my kids don't freaking wake me up, like when they come into my room, like that sucks. But I mean, I sleep really good. Um, what else? Sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, no, no. I was going to say, um, I was trying to remember what I said. Then I was like, damn, you caught me off guard. No, no, it's the whole, I was just, cause I, I loaded about 20 questions into one then. So sorry about that. No, it was um, just your hormones in terms of like, how do they change? I guess I kind of got carried away with the question. So in terms of when you had kids over the last five years, and I guess how your hormones change when you get into your 30s and stuff like that, if you noticed any kind of things that change, because you mentioned about your cycle being regular and everything else. And to be honest, when I think about it, it was only two years ago, right? You started really leveling your whole life up with your health. So actually things have probably improved drastically, right? So yeah, I mean, things are have improved and they're great as far as I as far as I know. I am due for some lab work, but yeah, everything else. I mean, I have zero complaints. Uh, my mood has gotten better. I feel like that's like the big one. You know, that happens like with your hormones and stuff. Um, but yeah, so far so good. Awesome stuff. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'd love to know a bit more as well about you know like carbohydrates and stuff and how you kind of uh, manage that right now. So you you do have some some fruit here and there, but at the moment it's it's no fruit at all, right? So just to clarify. It's literally dairy, meats, eggs, primarily is what you eat right now yourself, yeah? Yeah, and then I wouldn't even say fruit once in a while. I mean, once in a while, like a pickle. No, but I wanted to ask you about the kids thing, right? Because I am thinking about, not thinking about, definitely going to have kids uh, in the near in the near future. And I'd love to know in terms of the challenges, right? Because this is something I've, I've already fear in the future, right? You only have so much control. They're going to be in different environments and everything else, right? and how you manage that because you already just said then right you feel like you know with the fruit and that's great they're eating fruit and everything else but you said they're, they're becoming like little like fruit addicts or whatever fruit sugar addicts or whatever so how do you manage that is my question with the environments they put in and uh yeah i mean i can imagine sometimes they might go to a kid's party and they might eat some certain foods but i think the good thing is then they'll probably feel it so much because they don't eat those foods they'll probably like feel like dog shit back to what we were saying earlier <laughs> yeah exactly yeah the kid thing is is tough because you want to do what you feel is best and give them all this nutritious food, but you're mindful about like, I don't want to create issues. You know, I get a lot of comments like you're going to cause eating disorders in your kids. And it's like, well, that's not the goal. Like, of course, I don't want that. I don't want them to go to a friend's house when they're older and binge on all the things that mom won't let them buy. So I am not a hundred percent restrictive. Um, the approach we take, like, I really just like to you know, teach them proper nutrition. And so, you know, everything we have in the house is something I can say yes to. I do try and, you know, try and limit their fruits, like, cause they could just have a free for all in fruit. So we try and like teach the macros, like, okay, you want a piece of fruit, but what's your protein going to be? So just teaching them things like that, like pair your fruit with a protein and they do have some freedom when we go to a birthday party And I just, and I hate it. I hate that like all these activities are like surrounded by food. Like, why do you have to feed my kid? I'll feed him before we go. But that's just how it is. So you go to a birthday party. Okay, there's going to be pizza. So it's like, I'll feed him before and just hope for the best. But yeah, they're going to have pizza because it's like, oh, we don't, we don't get this stuff on, you know, regular basis. So we just teach them, okay, like have the slice of pizza. Sure. You don't need to eat it all. Like this isn't the last time in the world you're ever going to have a slice of pizza. Like take it easy. Listen to your body. That's like our main thing. Just listen to your body. You know, if you start to get a stomach ache or 
if they have a cupcake, I will say I will draw the line like you're not having the red frosting cupcake. Like, let's not do the red dyes. Like, I feel like that can be like a common ground. Can we all agree that we should not be having food dyes? Um, so just teaching them, like, listen to your body. Like, you don't need to have this whole cupcake if you don't want. And sometimes they actually won't finish it. And I'm like, okay, wow, that's a miracle. And then later when they're running around like a crazy maniac, it's like you bring it to their attention. Like, okay, how are you feeling right now? Like your, your behavior is a little erratic. Like, how are you feeling inside? Like, this is because like, if you're having a rough time, this is because of the food you ate earlier. So really just trying to teach them and talk to them about nutrition, you know, that they know that we prioritize meat. If you ask my three-year-old, if you ask her, what is fat? She'll be like flavor. So it's like, they like it. It's fun. Like they, they like eating meat off bones. Like we eat with our hands a lot now. Like I don't use for, especially like if I'm cutting up a steak, like I just use my hands. So we've lost all manners, but it just feels like super primal. And I feel like it almost like brings us a little bit closer outside cooking on the grill. Like it's just been really good. And yeah, so I just try and do the best I can everything. Like if they do have a treat, it's going to be outside of the house. Cause I don't want them to bug me about it. Like say if we had like a, a thing of cookies and if you say, okay, you can only have one a day, well then they're just going to constantly ask you for it all day long. So it's irritating. So have the things that you want them to eat in the house and yeah. And just hope for the best that you're not, I'm hoping that I'm not screwing them up. Thing is, it must be so tough as a parent, right? Cause you never get, no one's ever going to be the perfect parent, right? All you can do is try your best. But I find that so interesting. Uh, people say to you, you're going to give them an eating disorder because you're making them aware and that's amazing, by the way, the fact that they're already going to be kind of conditioned right from a young age to eat the most nutrient-dense foods and avoid ultra-processed foods. But in America, it's crazy, though. The you know That's another conversation, but the food reg – well, there is no food regulation, just what they can get away with out there. I mean, they get away with stuff here in Australia as well and back in the UK now, but it's like you know a fraction of you know the ultra-processed foods that they get out there. So uh, I'm making you making you anxious now. And I, you're like, damn, when they're around those foods. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's just absolute garbage. And you should see, I mean, because we're, my older son is in sports and it's like, can we not do snacks? Like, can we just bring our own food? Like, I don't need you to feed my kid. And like the snacks that these people bring, it's like, it's appalling. Like even my three-year-old, she did soccer one year. And one of the snack bags had like five different things that literally had a Rice Krispie treat, a red Gatorade, um, fruit snacks, which I give fruit snacks that don't have sugar. Th these fruit snacks had corn syrup in it. It's like fruit sweet. We don't need to add sugar. Um, Cheez-Its and, and like cookies, like something else where I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys. Like, And this is probably like how these people like eat on a regular basis. Like what happened to orange slices at halftime? You know, like- mm, I remember I'm that, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm almost embarrassed when it's my turn to bring snack. And you know, and, and we will like accept the snack and say, thank you so much and be on our way. But I don't give it to my kids. I just don't want to like be rude to the person giving it. But it's like, I'm probably now, like I remember when, when I was younger, my mom was like a total like health net. And I remember just always being like, oh my God, my mom's bringing these healthy cookies and everyone's doing this or, you know, like almost being embarrassed. So my snacks for soccer, which I don't think my kid is embarrassed yet at this age, but it's like, I'll do a cheese stick, um, a meat stick, like a chopstick. And I'll do like a pouch, like a, a fruit pouch. And I'm sure they're probably like, what the hell is this shit? You know, last week we got Oreos and a Gatorade, but it's like, I don't know. I just, this is what I want my kids to eat. So this is what I'm hoping you will feed your, feed your kid as well. 
Hundred mm, percent, because it's crazy that people, and again, they don't know any better. A lot of parents, they just don't know any better. And not to say that anyone's good or bad, but they really don't know. So they're giving them the Gatorade, the Oreos, and everything else, but they don't know that they're putting them on the back foot. You know, potentially for the rest of their life, if they're eating those foods every single day, that is a, a, a you know, you're fighting a, a battle going forward. Then, especially with the emergence of technology, which is amazing, but also you know, people being sat down more than ever and everything else, which is uh, which is another conversation. But yeah, what you said then about eating oranges, I said I'm 36 now. And I had a flashback. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that is true. Actually, we used to, I used to play rugby and we used to have oranges at half time. And I'm like, that's probably a thing of the past now. Whatever happened to that? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why we stopped eating fruit? Like, what's going right? on? Right. And maybe a granola bar at the end, which I feel like is a step up from what they're giving them, you know, these days that I've seen. I'd rather have it be a granola bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. But your recipe, speaking of uh, food and tasty food, you've got so many good recipes, right? And obviously the audience are going to go and check you out and everything else. Where do you get like the ideas from, from these recipes? Like you just like you find, oh, you can find stuff online, but then put your own touch on it. But they seem really creative. Yeah. It's almost like, okay, what did I used to eat that I can recreate to not be so awful? And that's really like where it stems from. And, you know, we don't have many ingredients to work with. <laughs> so if it's something kind of creative, like it's probably going to have dairy, it's probably going to have some pork rinds. Like I feel like pork panko is like the new almond flour or the new cauliflower, you know, at least for us. Um, so yeah, it almost, not that it makes it easier, but there's only like a few options of things we can you. So it's like, okay, well, if I want to recreate this, this is all I have to work with. So let's throw it together and hope for the best. <laughs> nice. I love it though. I love it. But they look absolutely incredible. And obviously your kids enjoy them as well, right? Yeah. Everyone's doing good. I don't really get many complaints. And yeah, I mean, I love the way we eat. It's working for me. Awesome. Uh, I'd love to know kind of what's next for you with what you're doing with, you know, you put an amazing content out there, but just in general, what's next for you in life, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. Okay. So I do have some things coming up now that you ask. Um, let's see. I have, what do I have in April? Oh, I have a retreat coming up in April. Um, so if anybody's interested, like we are still selling tickets for this. It's called Wired for Health. Um, it's gonna be in the smoky, in the smoky mountains. Dr. Baker will be there, Dr. Kiltz, Kelly Hogan, Sally Norton. So it's a pretty and more people. It's a pretty awesome lineup. That wow, I that's feel, an insane yeah, lineup. I'm jealous. I, know, I feel so honored to be a part of it. So Come join us. Um, what else? KetoCon. I'll be at KetoCon in Austin, Texas at the end of May. I'll be doing a cooking demo there. And in August, I will be in Wyoming testing beef, doing a beef sample. So if you're in Wyoming, there'll be this huge, fun, like like a small town fair sort of thing where all the locals bring their beef and we'll be tasting those. Um, and then I have a cookbook coming out. So I already turned in my manuscript. We are working through all the edits right now. I actually have my photo shoot for the cover in two days and that's going to be out sometime in the fall and pre-sales will start soon. So probably in the next month, we'll be promoting pre-sales for that. Incredible. If you have any links for that, just like send it over anyway and we'll uh, we'll get that all up. But yeah, awesome stuff. Super exciting. And just a quick one on that as well, right? Because I think it's going to be helpful for the, uh, for the females and for the guys. Um, how do you manage to juggle? Like, because time management is everything, right? How do you manage to juggle all that with a three-year-old and a five-year-old? How do you do it? I don't. I mean, if you could <laughs> I don't <just> know. <laughs> the disaster that is surrounded around me right now, um, honestly, everything is done half-assed right now. And that's just like where we're at. You know, I'm in the middle of doing this cookbook. I'm homeschooling too. So it's my kids are always here. Um, and then there's like the housework and then there's social media. So it's like, I'm kind of just not doing a great job at all of them, but I just have my Doesn't hands in a like. lot of fires right now. Well, looks can be deceiving. We only show our highlights on Instagram and stuff, right? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I advice would be is, you know, ask for help and hire out any help that you can. Um, you know, just anything to lighten your load and make things easier. Um, yeah, just get whatever help you can have. Luckily, I have my mom. She's with my kids right now. That poor lady is here every day helping me out. <laughs> yeah, outsource. Outsource what you can for sure. Outsource. Yeah, my mom's actually here visiting from the UK for a month because I'm from the UK and she's visiting for a month now. And yeah, she's um, she's like, yeah, I can't wait for you to have kids and everything else. And my girlfriend's Brazilian. So she has she has a, her obviously family. They, they value family a lot, right? So she's, we've got the grandparents already lined up, ready to go. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm preempting yeah. that in advance. <laughs> Perfect. You got your babysitters all ready to go. Hundred percent, hundred percent. One more thing I want to ask you on that. I guess it's kind of a selfish question, but this is something that I kind of battle with in my head. My girlfriend's thirty-two next month, and I uh, don't want to leave her too late for obvious reasons with with having kids. But obviously, you had your first one when you were like thirty-five. Is that right? Or thirty-four? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And what your last year? one when you were like trying to think what year? Yeah, twenty eighteen. My son was born. So whatever the math is on that, I was born in 84. So yeah, I guess I was 34. I was just about to turn 35. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Geriatric pregnancy, baby. I mean, it's like, wow. that's what when you're 35 and above. Yeah. So I was like 37 or 38 on the on the last one. Awesome. Yeah, and I don't mind if I ask, no, like, because this is even before you did all the, like, before you went really, I, you were still eating. At this point, though, just curious. So you were still, at that point, you were really healthy because you were still eating whole foods and everything else and really tuned into health, right? throughout that process, obviously. Here and there. Yeah. I okay, was, got it. Um, yeah. My last pregnancy, I was, I was very good with my eating. My first one, I was not good with my eating. Got um, it. and I gained, I gained 50 pounds with that one. Um, but more mindful on my second one and only gained 30. Awesome. I know the one, if I asked no complications or issues, like with the second one or anything like that. Um, no, but we had a, a loss with our first one when I was 20 weeks. So we had some issues with that and we lost her at 21 weeks. So, and then I've also had a miscarriage in between. So yeah, both of these are my rainbow babies, which is pregnancy after loss. Oh shit. Not to make it awkward. No, it's no problem. No, no so I, I was like, oh it. no, 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 no. Damn, <laughs> damn. She's going to start crying. Damn, that was the wrong question. <laughs> no, no, it, it's totally okay. Oh, it's okay. I'm really, really sorry to hear about that, but I appreciate you sharing as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's like 37, 38, you had your last one and, uh, everything's all good. Fantastic. That was just yeah, a selfish question for me. At, yeah. At 40, you know, early forties. Yeah. I know like the risks, you know, gets a little higher for having issues, but yeah, it's, you don't need to be 20 to have a baby anymore. <laughs> exactly. Especially if you take care of yourself. Thankfully, you know, my girlfriend is yes. uh, super, super healthy, metabolically, extremely healthy and eats like me. So hopefully all as well. But, uh, look, I know you just shared some of the stuff you were doing then, but is there anything out like, where can the audience find you? And if there's anything else you want to kind of plug or share, go ahead. Yeah, I am everywhere. Any platform I am there. Um, <laughs> it, the, my handle like for on Instagram and stuff is it's Courtney Luna. Um, and yeah, YouTube, I'm just Courtney Luna and yeah, come say hi, come slide into my DMS and, and yeah, come say hi. Fantastic. I've got to say some conversations when I have podcasts, I just like, you only get into that kind of like flow state and you're really enjoying it. Like that was awesome. I could talk forever uh, to you about all the stuff we talked about there. There was so many more things, but I'm glad we, we covered so much ground there. There's so much value in this episode. So thanks a lot for your time, Courtney. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. That was fun. Absolute pleasure.